My name is Victoria. I come from Ghanaian parents and grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I'm a painter turned entrepreneur on a mission to empower Black women to step into their genius and make an impact. I have a vision for creative women to feel confident and powerful and let go of all the limiting beliefs holding us back from going all out and showing up. I'm also the founder of the Kindred Creatives Collective, where I host dinners and retreats to hold space for Black women to prioritize self-care, build a tribe, and feel inspired. I want a world where Black women artists are celebrated, valued, and paid more. My goal for this podcast is to help women of color build sustainable and purpose-driven practices. Every week, I'll chat with a boss who's making bold moves in her industry as a creative entrepreneur. After hanging out with us, you'll feel empowered to build your own creative empire. Now let's start the show. Meet Maisha Francis, an accomplished artist, educator, curator, and entrepreneur. Maisha has received awards in Arts Entrepreneurship and Excellence from organizations like the Essence Music Festival. Join us as we talk about how she opened and ran a successful gallery for 11 years, her strategies for being a creative entrepreneur, and how burnout eventually made her start a new chapter launching Women and Wine NOLA. I want to just kind of start off with talking about how you started as a creative. I know you have quite a career. You have done it all. You've done a lot. And I want to start from the beginning. So when did you first know that this was the path you wanted to go on? I've always been like into arts and crafts, crafts as a little girl. When I, I was in fifth and sixth grade, I was doing nails. Um, and this is when the whole thing with all the designs and demands and just come out. And I was making a lot of money, like $35 a set. I'm making $2,000 a month in high school. Wow. I bought three cars. I graduated from high school. Cash money. It was crazy. So nails wasn't my ultimate final goal. I did what. And so I left New Orleans at the time. And this particular pastor he was preaching on was Driven Life. It's a book by Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. And so um, he was saying, you know, you have to live your purpose. You have to know what your purpose is to be in your purpose. Like, that's the way to have a full and abundant life. And so one day I was sitting in church and the message was really resonating to me because I had never heard anything like that. I've been in church my whole life and I never heard somebody say that you were born, you were created to do something specific. Yeah. Just resonated with me. And um, I remember sitting in church and I've written this many times in different blogs and I heard canvases waiting for you. I went and enrolled in art that very semester. So that may have happened in January or February by September of the next year, I was in art school. I had to wait because I failed. My grades were pretty bad from when I went to whatever. I went to design school and quit that. Then I went to regular college and my grades were bad because I was just unmotivated. Mm -hmm. Right. But, you know, fast forward, I graduated almost like top of my class from um, as an art major. Well, art history major. And have a lot. I have something to say about that, too, Mm -hmm. because art. Studio art is my minor and art history is my major. And 
that probably was a little bit of a, a, a mistake that I made just out of uh, a fear, right? Like, what could I do with an art degree? Yeah. That was absolutely what my degree should have been in, you know, but just fear and, you know, your parents are in your ear and thinking, oh, art history is safer. At least I could work in a museum, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, that wasn't correct. Even now, to this day, I wish I hadn't, I had have gotten uh, my undergrad in the, the major and flipped it minor in art history major in studio art yeah, so I, that's how it started I think when you don't have like someone who's gone through it before or like an example to like see that yeah like you can major in studio art and you can you know build a career out of that you don't know I was told to do graphic design and I am like mm-hmm. horrible at design. my mind doesn't think like that. I was told that's a safer route and yeah. I ended up doing painting because just what I love and I think that mm-hmm. if I had someone who me, no, like you don't need to do graphic design. You're sticking with what you do good, what you're, what you love doing. Um, I don't know if your situation was similar, but that I always felt like I needed someone like that who I could connect with and like guide me through it especially when I was up, you know, it kind of was similar. And I, I, you know what, in this moment, let me just, I've always pushed it on my parents. Oh, my parents, parents, parents wanted me to major in art history, but really, and truly it was me. It was my own fear Mm -hmm. because they told me I could be whomever and whatever I wanted. But at the time it, Instagram is like now, and you can find lots of, you know, painters. And I didn't know a single artist, yeah, when I was in art. I didn't know one. The first artist I met was probably in class. So now Instagram mm. exposed us to thousands and thousands of them. But I didn't know one white or black, yellow, brown, Asian or orange. I didn't know one painter. Mm. So that was really me following my gut, following my my soul. But to be fair to myself and to you and to everybody, everyone else who loves us, there is no, even to this day, there is no painter career trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you make that path, you know, that's not like, Oh, you graduate in it. You start working for a software development company. This, this is not what that is. True. You know, something happened to me, which was, I feel very lucky that was able that changed my life while I was in school. I had the opportunity to study abroad. My very last semester, I had never known anyone in the country. And I bumped into a friend walking across campus. I said, hey, where are you going? She was like, the study abroad office. And I'm like, what is that? And so I walked with her to the study abroad office. I found out that I could study in Italy where I wanted to go. So I chose Italy. And I went and I took a clay class. And I remember clay is my, I learned that clay is really my, my passion. It's my first love. Mm. Painting is just what I kind of fell into and was able to begin start to start making money from but um clay is my love right and it's ironic because i don't do much clay which we'll get to that question yeah, now, how i, I balance that and i know it's like my own little personal secret or thing right not really a secret <laughs> Yeah. But even my family doesn't know that. My boyfriend probably doesn't even know that. Mm-hmm. He kind of knows. But anyway, that was my watershed moment that showed me that I am deeper, wider, more expensive than this body can hold, right? Because up until then, I identified singularly as an African-American woman, 
when I traveled outside of the United States, I identified far more than an African-American woman, but as a spirit, as a human, as a human being, as a spirit, as this soul, as this creative being. And that's far more expansive and wider than being an African-American woman. And it hit me when I was in Italy. Some called me American girl. And I was like, American girl. I'd always been an African-American girl, you know. Yeah. So I was just like, it just, it just opened my mind in a different way. And then I traveled to West Africa and then Paris and all these different places. And um, it just changed my life as an artist to where I began to look at myself as a creative mm. for real. And I didn't have to create within this, um, how do I say it, collective consciousness of the African-American experience. But I could create into of a, a, a spirit being. Yeah. And that was life-changing. Now, granted, my family and everybody who's around me don't get it. Like, the piece that's, they're like, what is this abstract stuff? <laughs> <laughs> you know, what is it? I'm like, it's not a thing, you know, but. And I'm still, you know, kind of I'm letting that process unfold. But yeah. so that's happened. And then I graduated from college I had to go back to school. I got a master's in museum studies. I finished that and I took my first art teacher job. I did that job for two years. And then I decided that teaching capacity wasn't for me. And so I had $7,000 in my 401k. And someone had called me and said, hey, you want to open a studio? They had this business incubator for New Orleans. People have been affected by Hurricane Katrina. And I said, sure. I go and I open up this little um, studio. And I called it M. Francis Gallery. It was my gallery. Yeah. It was in the upper ninth ward. And I had this art opening. And I'm telling you, hundred. I mean, it was packed. It was packed beyond what I can. I had my vinyl letters on the wall. It said M. Francis Gallery. I had art on the walls. I mean, I look back at it now, like the art was just mediocre, but it was good. You know, it was just. Yeah, no, that's a big and deal. I, yeah, that's what started it. It was just a little upper room in the ninth ward, and I called it a gallery. Now, my parents saw that. I was driving down six months later. I was driving downtown in the arts district of New Orleans, in the heart of the arts district, and I saw a police sign. And I said, hmm, I wonder what the, you know, the cost is to get a, a gallery on Gallery Row. And so I called and the lady was like, it was like minimal. It was like $1,300. Everybody to this day thinks I was paying oodles of money. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And she says, you want to see it? But but the other other people on that street were. You know, oh, so you okay. see how God's timing is. Yeah. She said, you want to see it? I said, yeah. So we went and we looked at it. And she was like, you want it? I was like, yeah, my dad came with me. Of course, I didn't have... I might have had 1300 bucks, but I didn't have enough for the deposit and all this. No, I might have had enough for the deposit and the first month's rent. That was it. Mm -hmm. And my dad said, if you want it, go for it. And I was like, what about the next month? He was like, don't worry about it. Go for it. Do it. So we went up there. We signed the lease. I gave her the, the, um, the, the deposit and the first month's rent, and I opened. Wow. Now, 30 days later, I needed the next month's rent because I didn't make any money. <laughs> right. Well, my parents swooped in, you know, they saw the vision and they were like, we're going to support you. And they helped me. Mm. So I tell people all the time, you know, you take a step or you you start walking. People will help you like doors will open. So it's not. You know, sometimes you just have to like 
you're standing on the side of the road flagging, you got a flat flagging, maybe no one will stop. But if you're out there trying to change it, somebody will stop and help you. Yeah. So, um, I believe that's right? true. I think like you have to start before you feel ready because you're never going to feel ready. And along the way, you'll build confidence. You'll figure it out. You'll get help. Your family or your get friends help. will support you, but you have to take the leap. You have to start. And I think your story is beautiful how you weren't sure like how everything was going to turn out, but you had that gallery for 11 years, right? Well, ten, okay, so five, I had it for almost five years on Julia Street, which is Julia Row, mm-hmm. and then I had to leave, not because I was failing, but because we outgrew the space, mm-hmm. and then I moved into the French quarters in New Orleans, and I stayed there for another two years, and then the rent in New Orleans just skyrocketed, mm-hmm. and I couldn't afford it, so I had to figure out a way to purchase something. My first attempt failed, and that's when I decided to close. Mm-hmm. I closed the physical location, but I was still running my business kind of mobile. Okay. So I was still doing art shows and still doing paint and sip parties. So on Julia Street in the French Quarter, it was wow, successful. Paint parties had just taken off. I was like the one of the only people in the city doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that sustained me for about the first seven years of business. The next three, I was kind of doing it mobile. Then I purchased... No, the next two years, I was kind of doing it mobile and still doing shows and painting sit parties at different venues. And then this last um, year and a half or so, I've been in the spot that I've purchased now, which has now is not just the gallery. So I've partnered, my business has morphed again. So I've partnered with my accountants who, you know, finally was able to kind of help me see finances, which is my weak spot in a lot of artists have that issue yeah and get all of the let me tell you i prayed for a partner for a long time but get all of those things straight and um now we have i have a business that's called the house of women and wine and we do women wine paint and sip the women and wine she's an accountant so we do wine tastings wine tasting parties we do women wine paint and sip of course all of my art is still in the front which is the wine bar we do um, women, wine, and wealth because we are about helping female entrepreneurs, like not just secure the bag, but keep the bag and grow the bag. Yes. Yeah, and we ain't gonna boss babe, boss babe, brunch to death. We're gonna give you tangible stuff, right? Yes. So yes, we- I love that. <laughs> it's so. It's not just a space for like sipping wine, but you're you're like sharing strategies. You're talking about how to build a business and how to like make wealth out of your passions. And I think that's so key because a lot that's the piece a lot of creatives are missing. Like, yes, they are good at what they do. They have a passion for it. They're hungry for it. They love it, but they don't know how to sustain it into a business that, you know, make them money that they can do full time. And I think you, you have done that multiple times. You've kind of pivoted and redirected your path in different ways. That word pivot, Mm -hmm. you have to flow. You have to flow like water. What I didn't add is that right now I have a full-time art teaching job. So I've taught art before, never in a full-time capacity over those 10 years. Mm -hmm. But now I've been teaching it full-time for the past year and a half. I teach gifted art, fine art survey. Now, five years ago, did I ever see myself take 
back in a full-time job again where eight hours of my day was back dedicated to something I had to be here. No, Mm -hmm. but in the moment where I was trying, I knew I needed to, I was paint partied out, right? 16 a month I was doing. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't sustaining my practice, which is like one of your questions. Mm -hmm. And and so I had to ask myself, what am I doing? Is this really the way I want my career to end or keep going? And the answer was no. I had to say, okay, I need to step back, regroup. I'm writing, right? You have to write, rewrite everything down and then come back out. So the truth is that while this job was never my long-term thing, these children have inspired me so much that it's going to be very hard for me, if at all possible, to walk away. So I'm saying this to say that I've always put myself in a posture where I do an amazing job as an art teacher where I can go to the principal and say, you know, I, can, I, I love to you know, keep teaching art, but I don't want to be a part of the staff. I just want to teach the gifted art students and go home. So yeah. then I'll say, okay, you can take my um, my benefits, all of these other things, but I still now have this $10,000 stream of income and I'm only teaching four hours a week, mm-hmm. right? So artists have to be creative and thinking like that. Yeah. So in the end of it, when art sales were slowing down, I did to schools and I was teaching part-time. I may have gone in for like three hours a day, two or three days a week, and here's still another Ten thousand or fifteen thousand dollars a year coming from that stream. Mm. Then you have a stream from teaching, a stream from selling art, a stream from paint and sip, a stream from um, I don't know consulting, and all of those things add up to get you close to a hundred. Maybe not quite there, but close, yeah, right? That's or hard. even I'm saying a hundred might just be sixty or seventy, but you're not you're not overworking on any of those streams and you're an artist Mm -hmm. you're a full-time artist yes so that is how you it all you you make sure you have different revenue streams of income while making sure you take time for your own art and for what you love to do it sounds like you love to work with the young people the kids and you you find time you find time to make it work for your own career and for your own creativity. So, yeah, yeah, you, I, I have to. So I was just having a conversation that art is suffering right now in this season. Mm-hmm. So over the past year and a half, I have not created that much because I've been teaching. And when you teach from seven to three, you get home, you don't want to do anything. And on the weekends you want them. Yes. So it probably is time for me to have some type of conversation where I'll be able to have more time, even if it's, I need Fridays, right? And courageous enough to go in there and say, okay, I need Fridays or I need Mondays and Fridays. Mm-hmm. I'll give you Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, we negotiate or what can we do so mm-hmm. that your art doesn't suffer because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, artists feed the world something that musicians, you know, how musicians feed the world. We can't live without music. Yeah. We can't live without preachers. We can't live without doctors. It's the same thing with artists. Yes. And something you just said really kind of hit me, how you were like, you you need to go in and negotiate and figure out how to make it work for yourself. I think that's so smart because you... 
feel like artists feel like they're in a position where they're not really willing or able to speak up and say like this is what I did because they you know sometimes are really dependent on the commission or the job or whatever and they don't want to rock the boat but I think that you're right you have to find the strength and the courage really to say what you want and go for it and yeah, no, it's out. not easy. No, it's not. But you, you it's not easy. You have to try, right? It's my, you have to try. It's my time to go forth again with that conversation. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. But I know that I can't live without creating. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. So, yes. It's like, you know, with, you know, ugh. Yeah. I know I can't live without creating and I know that I suffer. If I'm not at my best, I'm not giving my kids their you know, what they need. Yeah. So Yeah. I believe you it's can... not an easy conversation. I think that what you're doing, like um with Kendrick Creative, hope so that when somebody comes to this moment, you know, we can be a rah rah crowd and say, Girl, just go talk to them. You know, yes. just just go and see what they say. If they say no, okay, you know, you're going to have to find another way. If they ask, okay, but now figure out where that other 20000 is about to get cut is going to come from. Exactly. You know, so. Oh, so true. Community is everything for me. Mm-hmm. So do you feel like what drives your work today, the Maisha that you are today, is the same that what drove you when you first started, when you first opened that gallery, or has it shifted for you always definitely shifted okay it's definitely shifted and I don't know making art is so I'm trying to think of the word it's so subjective to our emotions if you don't feel like this is what people get I don't even get this sometimes like I can't paint another jazz piece (laughs) But the market wants it, right? So then you balance it maybe selling prints or, you know, painting one and just pricing it high or whatever. I don't know. But the Maisha today wants to paint. I want to paint stuff from my spirit that I know will feed people. Even when gone in 50 years, they find it in their grandma's closet. And it's just like, whoa, what is this? You know? Mm. And they can be moved by it and I'm not saying that the jazz art can't do that you know possibly it can but I know that the spiritual pieces if you remove me and all of the labels and identity stuff that you want to put on me and just see the piece of what it is the colors of what they are they move people as well so I say okay in a hundred years when nobody knows who Maisha Francis is when she's just a name, maybe, maybe in the book, maybe, what is the piece thing? Because now it's about the, the art. That's what I really want to create. That's what I really want to do. My business partner now can't figure out why I'm not, you know, just, just you know, it's just hard, you know. Um, my least favorite thing to do is to sell my work. Mm. Me, to talk about my work and sell my work to people. That's my least favorite thing. I hear that a but lot. I, oh, yeah. Uh, but 
I have learned how to do it in just an authentic, relaxed way. It's it's still, I feel really funny when people say, oh, you know, tell me about this piece. I love, really love your work. And I just get, sometimes I, I get a blank stare. I'm just like, wait, what? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But It's so because personal. You have, yeah, you, you got to go so deep, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you know, I rather and, and it's it's weird because like the jazz stuff is either they don't want to talk about it, they just like it, it's pretty, it's like cool. Mm-hmm. But the abstract stuff is spiritual and it's emotional and you know, I don't really know you like that, but I talk about it to make the sale. Mm. So Yeah. Sometimes you just have to put the fear aside and, and just speak. Mm. And so I still struggle with that you know real talk I still struggle with it yeah yeah I think that's that really never goes away because it's like what we put into our work is a little piece of us so if we feel so vulnerable and it's hard to share it with the world that's why I think great art excuse me I think artists and creatives are like biggest people in the world because every day they are putting a little piece of themselves into the world and that's not easy it's not easy to be that open and vulnerable and just like get rejected and you know praised and all of the emotions and that so I feel you girl but we got to keep going because we are special we are put in this world for a reason yeah for sure um yeah so sure because I mm -hmm. go ahead no, I was going to say for sure, because I, you know, I hear people say, oh, your work moved me, your work touched me. And it's just like, that's so dope, you know, and people say, do you have anxiety when you get ready to let a piece go? No, because for me, the experience is in the making of it. Mm-hmm. You know, there may be a piece here and there that I'm attached to. Mm-hmm. But for me, the experience is over once I'm done creating it. Now it's for y'all to enjoy it. I've already had the experience. I've already installed the emotion in it. Some pieces I'm done with, and I'm like, wow, that really resonates and speaks to me on a different, you know, on a different level. I could look at it for a couple of more years or whatever. Yeah. And some pieces I'm like, it's all right, you know, you could you could buy it if you want it because <laughs> I've had the experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's real. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've had a lot of different experiences. You have been in the game for a minute now, and yeah. I'm curious. Is what what advice would you give someone who is just starting out, a creative who wants to become an entrepreneur? What Thank you for asking that question. Yeah. Don't open a brick and mortar. Don't <laughs> let that be the thing you're striving to do. And I hate to say it all the time to artists who ask me, "Oh, you know, I want to open a gallery." And I and the first thing I want to say is, "Don't do that." Mm-hmm. Like we're in 2020 in the digital age. You have so many resources, so many art fairs, so many right. art markets so many people you can connect with like you do not have to have this ridiculously high overhead um you know just pimping your art to pay overhead you don't have to do it Mm. here is the thing that i would i would recommend and this is what i want to just scream on instagram just keep developing like keep practicing keep like i see some of this art people post in this flat it's and these are younger artists mostly. Yeah. Is and I know they're excited and proud of their work, but I'm just like, 
And they put like $300, $400 on their work. And I'm just like, that ain't it, sis. You know, you just keep, just stay humble and keep practicing. Keep working at your craft. Keep working your, your hotel job or your front job and keep working at your craft in the background. And when you feel ready, when you see that your work is comparable to the people that you're idolizing, that you're following, then put together a little show and try to sell some pieces. Mm-hmm. But to paint every little thing and put it on Instagram because you get 50, you know, 100 likes, you think that you're really an artist and you're, 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 you're not giving yourself time to develop, like develop. And that's why I'm doing this course. But of course, all of these artists think they don't. Like I had this one girl and I was like, man, she would be so, she just used more contrast if she just, you know, one or two tweaks and then, you know, try to market it this way. And, you know, we had a conversation. It's like, well, you know, I have my own style. I'm like, you know what, sis, you do. And I realized that wasn't because it was kind of said with the, with the kind of defensiveness mm-hmm. and I get it. You know, um, but I would say to young artists, even myself, even my younger self, slow down and develop. This is not mm-hmm. a sprint. Yeah. It's a marathon. You're going to learn new techniques, new styles, new processes. Every single year you're going to grow. Why not give yourself 10 years? Put the phone down mm-hmm. and just develop and grow. I just pray that um message gets out. And that people can, younger artists can hear that. Yeah. Because it's unfortunate, you know. Yeah. Even me, I did it. I did it. I opened the gallery when I was developing. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm not exempt. Yeah, no. We all, we all have to keep growing. Even the, you know, quote unquote, you know, experts out there are constantly learning, constantly growing. We're never done growing. So I think that mindset is really important to like be eager to develop your skills, meet artists, connect with people, just grow as a human being. Yeah. Ghana, find yourself. Like that's, yes, thank <laughs> you. That that's exactly why I'm doing the retreat because when I went to Ghana for ten months and I just had that time to just develop as an artist, just paint. I saw the transformation. It was crazy, yes. and I don't think we yes. had opportunity. And I know it's hard, like bills and all kinds of things come right. up. But I think it's so much. It's an investment, and it's like in the long run, it will help. And just have time for yourself to just, you know, breathe, you know, think, have some new ideas percolating, be inspired. Like, that is so important that we take it for granted. It is. It is. I'm 16 years in and I'm like, man, I need this retreat. Right. So I'm just praying that I can go, that everything lines up. Yeah. I have a gazillion projects going on because I know I need time to just get some ideas back up from the world Mm -hmm. and see what is being channeled into me, not from ego, Mm. but from on high, from my higher self. And that's what artists need. Prince couldn't sit and make the amazing music made in his ego. Mm -hmm. He has to channel it from a higher source. Pastors can't just jump in a pool pit and preach whatever they want from ego. They have to channel it from a higher source. Same thing with the best known renowned chefs. 
They can't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to be a five Michelin star from their ego. They have inspiration be channeled from a higher source. Absolutely. And if we don't back up, you know, then we can't do that. Even me right now, oh, man, I need to back up. So I know younger artists can benefit from that. Yeah, I agree. I'm always trying to find moments to just back up and figure it out. I think it's important. And so, yes, awesome. So inspiring. So, so good. So my last question is, what, what would be your idea of success? Let me tell you, I have this one this dream, and that is to just paint to give it away. So I just was able to, like, I think it would be so dope to have a little studio, a little gallery, whatever, a little space where people can come in and pick a piece of art. <laughs> like, I think that is the most, that was success for me. I was in Italy and I saw this man painting on the side of the Arno, and it was the most beautiful paintings I had ever seen in my life. Mm. And he just painted them on cardboard, old man with this long white beard. He was just sitting there and painting all day, every day. And I couldn't afford to get one. And I was like, man, wouldn't that be dope if he just looked up and said, choose one. Mm. I would have treasured it. I would have treasured that piece to this day. And it would have been just to be on my wall. It became sunsets. And I've taught myself how to do them since then. And pastel sunsets. All he had was a palette knife and paint. And it was the most beautiful paintings I've ever seen. And I said, you know what? If I could sit, not in the French Quarter because it's not... But if I could sit by a lake or a river, <laughs> yeah, it's too much going on. But we have what's called the lakefront and just do these little paintings and sit them all around my feet. And as people walk by and admire them and I could just be painting and look up and say, yeah, pick one, you know, and let them pick one and they move on. Or every time it's somebody's birthday or our anniversary or whatever, I could just pick a painting to give to them or their gifts to come to the studio and pick a painting. Um, and just not to ever have to sell them again. Kind of like Joan Mitchell. Mm. I don't need to sell them. I just make them and wherever they land, they land. And that's my idea. So I'm like, you know, if I, I hold on to that dream so precious and I think maybe I'm a little tied up in my own mind as to how it will happen as opposed to why don't I just do it, right? Why don't I just start giving them away, right? Mm -hmm. Too scared that, oh, how will I pay my bills? But the more I grow spiritually, the more I know that to whom, well, not only to whom much is given, much is required, but whatever you put out comes back. So maybe my faith is not strong enough, you know, to be successful. Ooh, that's deep. Mm. Because I should probably just start giving them away now. You know, why not? But I give art away. This piece behind, I yeah. love to give art away. But I only give it away now if it's re- if it really means something to me. Yeah. 
you know, I don't give it away nilly willy. I think that's beautiful. And I think that in the right time that will happen just the way you envision it and see it. it, I can see it. And I think that's just your spirit is so kind and so pure. Every time I talk to you, I just feel this like love, this energy. And so it doesn't surprise me that that's your idea of success to give away, to give to others, to share your power and your beauty with others. That doesn't surprise me. And I think that's just testament to the type of woman you are. Like you're a boss and you're kind. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yes. Imagine I'm like maybe one day somebody like Oprah or somebody will be like you know what Maisha you can come live in my cottage in my backyard and paint <laughs> you know what girl I got you I yes. got you Oprah. Like, yes I'll just why come not and paint and paint and paint mm-hmm. and paint and paint and whatever I'll paint for food and shelter yeah like, that would be so awesome I but I yeah, can see no. it okay so thank you for sharing that. How can people get in contact with you? How can people find you? Um, first of all, I am on Instagram. I love Instagram. I'm on Instagram a lot. I'm on Instagram as um, Maisha Francis, 1111, but Maisha Francis on Instagram, Maisha Francis on Facebook, Maisha Francis on just about all my social media platforms, YouTube, um, Pinterest even. It's Maisha Francis. The website is right now in Frankary.com, but I am getting ready to change it to MaishaFrancis.com. So everything is Maisha Francis. Um, in Francis Gallery is basically after these 11 years has come to its end, I think, but I'm, I'm pretty much sure that this is its end. Um, cause the last, when I tried to close it before, it was like, it just kept going. You know, people <laughs> kept calling, people kept calling. So in Francis gallery stayed alive, but I'm getting ready to change the website to Maisha Francis. My phone number is pretty public. It's on my website. People, you can, I don't know if people know this, but you can hit me up anytime. Really. You can DM me, Facebook me. I'll answer. I always answer. Yeah. Um, I know on my page right now, the link in my bio goes to my Calendly page because I have a that I'm launching um, that I call Art and Business for um, new and emerging artists. So you can set up a call right now with me right now. We could phone talking just about um, developing your art career. Like, you don't, I didn't say this, I meant to say this. You don't have to be a starving artist. I have never in all my years as an artist been a starving artist, except one living. And it had to do with, you know, a little depression I went through Mm -hmm. and I just wasn't trying to work. Right. Even though the phone was still ringing. Mm So um, I'm passionate about seeing artists grow and develop and um, being successful. Yeah. Right along with myself. Me too. One of my. Go ahead. No, I want to know one of your what. I'm excited to hear what you're about. One of well, it's not that deep, but <laughs> something that I love to say is collaboration over competition. I feel like we can all win. There's no need to compete against each other. We can all be out here making money, living our best lives, thriving, having purpose-driven lives. So yes, I'm about that too. And I know you are. That's why I resonate with you so much. 
I think I think more women like us need to see that yes, we are making it possible. It's not impossible to be an artist and to make a living. Yeah, and we can be abundant together. Like how dope would that be if we didn't have to go at it alone? I pray for that mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. To not be so lonely in my career. And to know that there are women out here like you who um, are not just talking about it, but are being about it, like really about collaboration Thank and you. knowing, even me, myself, knowing that you have to shut that ego down every day. Yep. You know, every day you got to shut it down. Oh, her art, you know, why couldn't it be me? Because it's not you. You know, it's your time. Let her shine and let's be happy for her. Because mm-hmm. I get that, right? I go through that. Oh, wow. What was the girl that painted Michelle Obama? Why not me? Mm-hmm. You know, but no, that was her her thing. Amy. Her, yeah. Like, yeah, let's be happy. That's my fault. Yeah. Let's be happy and celebrate and, and uplift and encourage and inspire, you know. So, you know, of course, you have those moments like, but why not me? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've been this. And you just got to shut that ego down. Like, shut up. Like, it's not for you. Mm. You know, what's for you is for you. And, um, yes. you know, I just love Kendrick Creatives. I think that you're on to something really good, really powerful. Um, and creating community in the U.S. is so needed. Like, we're so lonely. We won't say it. Yes. Nobody says it, but everybody's crying in the dark alone at home. It's, that's why I created that, to be honest. Mm. I, I feel like I didn't have anybody around me. I needed one. And I'm just like, I'm that type of person that I'm nurturing and I love to like feed off of other people's energy. So I need it. And I created it because I needed it. And I, I see other people need it too. And I, I just love that. So... Thank you. I appreciate you for saying that about Kendra Creatives. It's still, you know, developing and growing, but, you know, one day at a time. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and we about that another time because I, I definitely wanted to talk with you about um, collaborating more. I think it would, it would, it would, yeah, it would just been. I think I feel like New Orleans needs it, right? Yes. And even- it's not like every black woman New Orleans, black woman artist in New Orleans. Even if there were just a small community um, of Kendrick creatives here in the city that I got together once a month. Mm. Because you are suffering alone, trying to figure it out, yeah. way broke. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to be. Yeah, girl. I am mm-hmm. there. You know I want to go to New Orleans, so, you know, it's, it's Come my thing, on. I will be there Hello. soon. Yes, I am coming for sure. And, and yeah. we can do like, you know, I, I love to figure out how we're going to make money. How are we going to do this as artists? How are we going to not be starving broke artists? If we have to do a Kendrick's paint party with a theme around whatever. Everyone go out and check out Maisha Francis. Go look up the NOLA. Can I say NOLA or? It's the House of Women and Wine NOLA. House of Women and Wine, NOLA. Go check it out. Go to the events and go get your education on. She's dropping gems over there. If you're in New Orleans, check her out and buy support her because she's amazing. Thank you, girl. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate you so much. Of course. Thank you. We'll talk soon, okay? All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye. See you next week, same day same time. 
make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And send me a comment if you really like this one. And remember to uplift and support another woman creative today. Always remember to embrace your creative genius.